0: Welcome to your weekly Nutrition Nuggets podcast. I'm Eric Williamson, PhD, Dietitian. I'm here with Dietitian, Abraham Kushan. We're here to distill the research on hot topics in nutrition into digestible and applicable takeaways. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe to this channel and follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Nuggets.
1: hello and welcome everyone so today our topic will be the pros and cons of tracking macros and calories so we hear a lot of things about like how tracking macros and calories are very important especially when it comes to weight loss and muscle building and we want to dissect this topic into more in details what if someone wants not try with calorie counting or what are other ways of tracking if you are not a big fan of journaling foods welcome again eric joining us hi eric how are you doing today no not bad Abraham. great to be together let's kick start this episode with the question of what is calorie and macro counting to in the first place yeah sure so most people will think of calorie
0: and macro tracking in relationship with logging their food and in most cases these days that's with a smartphone although you can also do it on a website and the point of logging your food in these apps is so that these apps will then tell you how many calories you consume or how much of the uh, macronutrients that you consume. So this is what we mean by macros, carbohydrates, fat, and proteins so our calorie-containing nutrients. And in some cases, you'll also be able to determine your vitamin and mineral intakes as well. Oftentimes, people have targets that they aim for with these calories and macronutrients, that they they shoot for over the course of the day, over the week with logging, right? So that as they're logging, they're also aiming for these uh, certain targets, the uh, calories and macros, such as, you know, one of the most common probably being protein. But people do it for all kinds of goals, sometimes just assessing their nutrient status, such as their, their vitamins and minerals. And that would probably just be short term, looking at what their intakes are like, and then kind of adjusting their diet from there people do it for performance reasons, people do it for weight and muscle gain, but probably the most common is uh, for for weight loss. And the most popular app used is MyFitnessPal. It's the one that most people have probably heard of. It does give both calories and macronutrients and some micronutrients like sodium. But the second one that people have probably heard of is Cronometer, which uh, that's the one that uh, in particular provides a more complete profile of
1: vitamins and minerals too. I hear you. And being the scientist and more hands-on the research aspect of these things, what would you say some of the pros of those calorie and macro tracking when it comes like based on evidence?
0: Yeah, sure. So first of all, we got to remember that calorie and macro tracking, particularly with with phone apps, has only been around since 2005. So not even 20 years. But uh, of course, it's been a, a hot topic ever since then. As far as the pros go, it does take into account portions and calories. So, when somebody's trying to alter their body composition, particularly lose weight, then it is a way of monitoring their portions and their, their quantities so that they can more accurately put themselves into a caloric deficit, because that's what's required for weight loss. Right. Other ways of doing so without looking at quantities and portions will typically only result in about a 5% weight loss of anything. And I'm talking about things like, you know, doing low carb or fasting or certain types of diets, if they do work at all, then it's usually not much because, um, our body has these, these internal mechanisms that will kick up hunger. And and, exactly. uh, Yeah. And That can really work against us. But if we can take into account these portions, if we can actually look at them and track them in this case, then we can more accurately put ourselves into a a deficit for the the sake of weight loss. So it is the most accurate way available. It's certainly not completely accurate. It's not not precise by by any means, but, but it's the most accurate, the most precise way that we have. So it does make it fairly effective for, uh, some of these, these approaches to these nutrition goals. And it can also help with, uh, with keeping weight off as well. So when people are, do lose weight, although they, they may not do it as often, there's certainly research to suggest that people who track occasionally at least are more likely to keep weight off. That's shown in the uh, weight control registry. So this big database of people who have kept weight off all around the world. And um, a lot of them report tracking at least occasionally. On uh, a recent systematic review, like big big study showed that a lot of people who are able to keep weight off do tracking. So kind of to summarize that, I would say that uh, the pros would be it's, it's more effective than any other method available to the general public. It's more accurate and that's why it's more effective. Uh, than any other method. One other thing actually I'll mention is that it can also encourage a, a flexible mindset sometimes, like a more flexible dietary control. So I think about before these apps were available, a lot of people would be doing things like Atkins or bodybuilding diets. They're just right. eating chicken and rice and broccoli and that. And they'd have these forbidden foods, right? This uh, list of foods that's a good that are good. These are yes foods, and there's a list of foods that these are no foods and That's very associated with disordered eating, and um, strongly associated with with not being able to maintain body composition changes or or many nutrition goals. So I can encourage that more flexible mindset where people can incorporate some more of these these other foods, and they're not thinking of them as good and bad foods because it allows them to have them incorporated in their diet while still uh, keeping track of, uh, yeah, right, nutrients and
1: calories. So just to clarify to our audience, it's not just the most superior ac- in terms of accuracy. Although you mentioned that sometimes it does have like some fifty maybe or six calories up and down, but it also gives you the freedom and being like flexible around like not res- necessarily restricting those kind of the foods that you really love and you can still somewhat incorporate within it. Is that and while you see those yeah. progress yeah that's exactly it yeah now that we know those kind of like the pros what would you say some of the cons behind tracking and who should not track if anyone at all yeah well it's certainly a pretty big can of worms i'm not
0: sure we're going to be able to be able to specifically say who should not track in this episode because i know that that's going to have to be a very individualized approach but number one it's very cumbersome as far as a con so it's time and energy consuming uh, number two, like I said, it may be the most accurate approach we have, but overall, it is fairly inaccurate. People tend to underestimate by about twenty percent or about five hundred calories on average. People who are, are trying to lose weight tend to to underestimate even more, about almost fifty percent of the uh, calories they consume. So they're 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 actually consuming a thousand calories more than what they report. So those are two big things: cumbersome and inaccuracy. But probably the biggest and the, the biggest risk factor is the risk for disordered eating and, and food relationship issues mm-hmm. and this is where we're kind of distinguishing who should and who shouldn't track you know there's been studies these observational studies that look at people who are tracking and they take this big population looks like about 30 percent of people who are tracking will have obsessive thoughts about food and characteristics of disordered eating yes, and that's yes. no no small number then the, the second question is like, is this a chicken or an egg situation? Is it the tracking that's causing disordered eating or is it disordered eating that results in people wanting to track? And if we look at people who have eating disorders, about three out of four of them will be tracking. So about 75%. And then if we look at some other studies that, that do randomized control trials, so this is a bit more rigorous where they actually have people track and then they look at symptomatology of eating disorders before and after, doesn't appear that there's any difference. So it doesn't actually put them at an increased risk of disordered eating. So it does seem to be more in the direction that disordered eating leads to people tracking rather than the other way. But certainly it's still a serious risk factor that needs to be taken into account. And we have to look at all these different moderators, right? Like things that are going to increase someone's risk if they track, like history of disorder eating, you know, genetics, if it's in the family, you know, if they've had, if there's disorder eating in the family, it can increase their risk. Personality characteristics like professional perfectionism, uh, neuroticism, OCD, having low confidence, low self-esteem, all these things need to be taken into account before somebody is is tracking. And we also, you know, we don't want people tracking on their their own, really, in a lot of cases, especially not in the, in the, uh, the beginning, right? Yeah, in the case for, for yeah, if they're not educated by a professional at least, because self uh, approaches to self direct approaches dieting, so trying, trying to do it on your own without professional help, also very high risk of uh, developing negative relationships with food. So yeah, if I were going to summarize that, then the, the the cons are are that it's cumbersome, you know, time and energy mm-hmm. consuming, it's inaccurate, <laughs> and uh, it has that associated disorder eating risk if uh you know not taken seriously and uh not assessed and, and used with a professional
1: right and so the best thing we can tell to our audience is that although it's the most superior and the accurate way of tracking we need to also be cautious how we are starting up this process and the best way to do is also have someone more credential to help you mm-hmm. to onboard you on tracking so you don't fall in the pits of like those wrong ways of doing things and then end up in developing some kind of a thing that you didn't start for yeah, and exactly uh, right so yeah that, and also i think screening
0: clients as well so actually going through that screening process making sure hmm. that it is it would be uh safe for them to track yeah right so let me let me ask you out now uh abram what, what would you say you know s- someone who is just starting their you know, nutrition goal, if, if it's weight loss, um, you know, can they apply this then?
1: Right, That's so let's take know. the science and combine it to application. Sure. Uh, yes. So, absolutely agree. And um, like accuracy parts of it, and the way we want to apply also is this is something that you never done before, or you don't but fail. Is like to not overwhelm with you yourself, and that's because like we are humans as like very in depth in routines, and we do dramatical changes. It's not gonna stick. First and second, it's gonna be creating a dropout and fail of like not being able to achieve something, right? So mm-hmm. that's why when we start doing. Uh, tracking with my clients, we've Coke is one macro, or one target at a time. So the number one thing I would suggest is when you're starting to track, first of all, find the app that you either used in the past that you feel comfortable, or if you don't have try a couple of them and see which one you see it's best suits your lifestyle. So there are many apps, as you mentioned, like uh, MyFitnessPal is the most popular because it's also have the biggest data. So you can find pretty much everything, especially if you are using the barcodes to scan. So your likelihood of finding all product that you are using in my Mm -hmm. fitness advice, others is higher. Uh, There is another one, the chronometer. If you are more someone who is having like more tracking on a micronutrient level, like someone who is like tracking the B12 iron deficiency you're having, or like you're more into calcium because you're having some kind of bone issues. So then I would advise chronometer and then. Uh, there mm-hmm. are also more in person used of the practice better and other kind of apps. Now I always suggest to start with protein target and calorie first, yeah. and once you get like very good at making sure that you're meeting those two targets, then concentrate or go and start working on your carbs and fats. And that because, uh, as we know, is like protein is number one macro that we we'll want to have it when we are going on mm-hmm. a deficit. We don't want to lose our muscle mass, and that's a different episode, I guess. We can elaborate more why so. And the second one is the whole point of you tracking is to make sure that you are on calorie deficit. And when you get a target of deficit, and that's another maybe episode, like how much deficit you want to be on. And then when you're targeting that calories, to make sure that you are hitting the colors. Otherwise, it uh, there is it's useless or it defeats the purpose of tracking. So those are the two one. And once mm-hmm. you become very comfortable with uh, those numbers and hitting those numbers and consistently then we add to the other uh, factors so and another thing i would like to bring here is that sometimes people end up using the or heavily relying on the online calorie calculators. And that's another big mistake because there are many factors uh, that maybe we can speak about it again, because those are very, very broad topics. And I cannot dive into more details uh, unless we do another episode, is to make sure that you don't blindly follow a number that is sticking on the calorie calculator, because there are a couple of factors that are not considered when you're doing this. And uh, rather than use your average 10-day intake and, and have that as your baseline line and start from there, because there are metabolic issues, hormonal issues that you might have experiencing or your body is experiencing that is not necessarily reflecting the right number when you're doing a theoretical calculation based on your age, gender, yeah, uh, sure. height, and weight. And uh, that's it pretty much how you can apply in terms of that. Now, uh, you you might also be wondering now uh, if like someone is not being able to track the calories and is not someone who is a big fan of like uh, journaling what other Mm -hmm. options that person might have. And uh, if I'm going to go over, there are basically three ways where you can actually do this tracking or journaling. But let's go from the best, the, uh, or the, the preferred superior vice, the second best and the third best. The first one is, as we all mentioned and you mentioned, is basically counting your calories and having a measuring scale. So having a scale is going to increase accuracy when you are tracking and journaling. So I will go with measuring and having a kitchen scale and measuring uh, and weighing all foods that you are having. And if that's something you are feeling overwhelming, then the Mm -hmm. second best option would be to use measuring uh, utensils like cups and spoons that you can use them. And let's say if that is also out of the question, the last one that comes is using your bare hands. And sometimes this is also great because let's say when you're traveling or when you're on a vacation, you don't necessarily going to use measuring scales or mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to bring cups and spoons with you to measure, right? It's not realistic here. So, so referred to as handy portions, right? Exactly. Yes. So you always have your hands with you no matter where you go, right? So you always mm-hmm. have an estimating tool by your side and learning how to use it is an ideal way of like basically mm-hmm. to use it anywhere. So And those 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 could be used either with the app or without, right? Exactly, and that's the other thing is like you can if you are again not willing or you're in a busy hectic lifestyle or it's not something that fits too risky for you maybe.
0: Yeah,
1: that's also exactly. Then you can use basically this approach, but this is the last approach, and then where you can do it. And if I'm gonna go quickly on elaborating what it looks like, it's basically your thumb size and uh, and before that that actually I want to mention our body and are very proportionate. So if you have a bigger frame and you are male, your hand probably larger than if you are a female and lower frame. So that's how you also can understand that each person's hand size and uh, approach that we are going to use this one is going to be tailored to themselves. So it's also keep that in mind. So usually one pump is considered like a tablespoon. This is a great way using for condiments, using for measuring like salad dressing or nut butters. Mm -hmm. And then you can use your palm size portion and each one palm usually is like three ounce cooked meat. So for example, a hamburger patty, if you're having a chicken breast or a fish filler, it's a good way of using your palm to measure it. And then you can use your fist and that's equal one cup. And this is good to use something with like serving vegetables or cooked grains. And you can use your cupped hand portion, which is around half cup. Again, this is, can be used for like pasta, oatmeal, or if you're having like a beans food salad. So this is the four ways you can use your hand basically to measure things. All right, awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. I think that provides a lot of
0: good alternatives as well. And because you know we don't have to track. I mean, certainly there's plenty of ways to accomplish our goals and. Uh, this is just one one tool in the toolbox. And I think, you know, like we kind of outlined before, it's that the, the person needs to be assessed f- before they move forward with something like this because there are risks involved. And um I need to make sure that we're using it effectively.
1: Exactly. Right? And, and
0: and that we're not being tripped up by things like online calorie counters, which uh you know aren't gonna be very accurate. They're not gonna be as, as reflecting the as, yeah, as now be right. ideal for accomplishing a goal so you know i, I guess if i was going to summarize some things i think that i would suggest you know not doing it on your own i mean for one thing if you're just doing it for like three days so to check your check your diet change your micronutrient, your vitamin mineral intake sure but uh, not for prolonged periods of time i think that it is best to get assessed because it is um it doesn't, you know, it's not risk free. There are certainly, you know, more accurate ways of doing it than than others. And we want to make sure that we're taking those steps. It's something, you know, one thing I want to mention is something that should should have an end in sight, maybe not something that everyone wants to do forever, especially, uh, you oh, know, absolutely. on a frequent basis. Uh, anything else that you'd want to add to that, Abraham? You so-
1: actually sound summed up quite nicely. Yeah, the one thing I would definitely mention is that the, the takeaway message here is if you are on your journey or you're starting on your journey of weight loss, make sure that definitely check out with a healthcare professional just so that you make sure that you're on doing things in you know, a, in correct fashion so that mm-hmm. you don't have to when you do something sometimes when you do things alone then you have to undo stuff that you kind of ruin your metabolism or ruin your kind of hormonal balance just because you did it in the wrong way you don't want to spend so much time on undoing those stuff so starting right at the beginning with like a health coach would be great second is like There is only three, those three ways, and there is, there should, you should utilize the way of the out of those three in order to be able to track. Unless you track what you're eating, it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to accomplish any type of weight loss just because it's, if we're going to speak about our intuition, our intuition works perfectly fine but unfortunately it doesn't work for caloric deficit it works for calorie maintenance that means if you are going to listen to your hunger and satiety because you are going to do great in maintaining your energy levels and you're maintaining your weight but not necessarily losing weight so based on your preference based on your lifestyle whatever stick with you choose the one that's the most important part is like you know you need to see which one works for you so that you can stick to it choose it and then stick and work with it Thanks for listening to Nutrition Nuggets podcast. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Share it with your friends and give us a rating. We really appreciate that. And make sure to go to at Nutrition Nuggets on Instagram to watch the videos as they come up.